Welcome to the China Flexpad Podcast. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you're listening to this. My name is Carl Weaver. I'm a wireless market and mobile device specialist, and I'm a bilingual Mandarin-speaking、uh, American citizen. My Chinese name is Wei Carr.、Uh, that was given to me in 1982 by my Beijing. They they say Beijing when you're in Taipei. They say Beijing. And my Be- my Beijing Lao Shi at National Taiwan Normal University. Welcome to the show. Your name in Chinese sounds very very Beijing like pronunciation. It <laughs> doesn't it? My yes. So when I'm in Taiwan, they say you have a Beijing Qiang. You have a Beijing accent. And when I'm in Beijing, they say you sound like you're from Taiwan. And then and then I just tell them all. On the phone, if they if they chat with me on the phone, then I tell them I'm from Hong Kong, Hong Kong, and they say, "Oh, that must be the reason." <laughs>、um, yeah. So, well, I myself、uh, usually based in Beijing, so I also have a slight Beijing accent, and I like the idea of having a Chinese accent <laughs> when speaking. You know, a, a lot of Chinese people tell me that obviously my name does not sound like a local Chinese person, but they like the name because they. They like the way that the you cur- curl the R's because my name my English name is Carl Weaver so the the Chinese name is is a perfect translation, so I like it. I'm not I'm not pretentious. I'm not Chinese. I'm not trying to be Chinese. And I think my name because I have content. So actually, you you really need to wrap the your Chinese name around the Chinese content or the English content. That you're delivering out into the market, so don't change it. Once you create it, don't suddenly change it after a few years because you'll realize that that the first name that you have will correspond to a lot of important uh, technical uh, and legal documents. So when somebody gives you the name,、uh, and if you like it, stick with it. My Chinese name has no meaning. In Chinese. Well, speaking about your career story, can you please share with us? How you found each of your job opportunities in China? So, for the first job opportunity, I had just finished my Chinese studies in 1985, and I submitted a bunch of direct mail campaign documents to a hundred. There were literally a hundred、uh, computer companies in Taipei, Taiwan, in 1985. I finished my Chinese studies, and、uh, I got a few interviews, and I was able to get the job. With a very kind of、um, global company that had offices in Silicon Valley, but it was Taiwan-based. So I was very, very fortunate、uh, that I put it. I put together a really good direct mail letter,、uh, went in for the interview, and I was able to get that job because, of course, I could speak Mandarin after studying Mandarin three years in Taiwan and knowing Taiwan. I was able to、uh, get that job, and I stayed in that job for. Seven years, seven plus years. Now, fast forward, and, and of course, I went back to after spending three years studying Mandarin and seven years working in the microcomputer manufacturing industry, the fledgling microcomputer manufacturing industry in 1985. I was amongst the youngest Western professionals working in the microcomputer industry、uh, in 1985. I was actually interviewed by Business Week magazine. My first, my first few months on the job, I was greener than the back of my room here. That's basically what put me on the path of a technology, a biz tech technology career. And then fast forward to 2008, I was at the CTIA show giving a presentation 
on the global smartphone revolution, China, the mobile digital dragon. And I also added India, the IT super tiger, because I became the first public speaker in the world on smartphones in 2003 on Microsoft's campus because I was working for a company that had the embedded antenna for the first Windows mobile smartphone. And I was involved in that. Unfortunately, the company I was working for went bankrupt in 2003, threw me into the job market. I created myself as a public speaker on mobile technologies, smartphones, and the Chinese uh, global supply chain. So the second, the second opportunity to work in chi uh, greater China in this case was uh, in 2008, I was at the CTIA show and I gave a present this presentation, Global Smartphone Revolution, and Jamalto, which is a, the largest French smart card company in the world at the time, they um, approached me after my presentation. They said, we need a guy who speaks Mandarin and who, who uh, understands the global supply chain, uh, the, the smartphone manufacturing ecosystem between Taiwan, China, South Korea. Uh, and I told them this is what my expertise has been for a long time. So they said, would you like to go back and work in Beijing? And I told them, let me check with my wife. And my wife said, yes, you can go back to work in Beijing, but send all the money back. That's what my wife said. Yeah, my wife is originally from Taiwan. Anyway, fast forward, I was able to get that job, but I had to first go to France for two weeks to be acclimated with uh, the technology on the job, in intensive on the job training, and also introduced to my uh, Chinese uh, engineering colleague, which I would be working with for, for those five years. So <clears throat> the second time was... I was giving public speaking and I knew the smartphone ecosystem. It was new in back, back in 2008, it was new. And um, I understand the, the, the whole handset supply chain. So I think that's why Jamalto was interested in my background. They were having some problems because they knew the SIM card business. They didn't know the smartphone OEM and ODM manufacturing and, and supply of these smartphones. They didn't understand it because they, they sell SIM, they were selling SIM cards to operators. They didn't understand the handset ecosystem. Therefore, I was lucky to get that opportunity because I understood that ecosystem. Seems like public speaking worked well for you. How was changing your income with regard to different job opportunities in China? First of all, I think when you, like me, have had 10 years in Taiwan prior to going to China, it's a very different ballgame than most of these other uh, flex pats that you have that you're speaking with. I already had a decade of experience um, living and working in Greater China. My first time going to China was 1984, before many, many other people. And I spent a month uh, as a tourist while, while I was still studying my Mandarin, traveling all over China, you know, as a, as a tourist. So the second time going uh, into China, I had a much better salary situation. I was, I was not a, uh, an expat. I was what we call, I called it at that time, third country national. Um, I think the term flexpat is a good term to use. That's why I'm hoping that we start to use this term. I think it's a great term. But I was a third country national, which is that they um, paid for my salary. They expected that I would be able to figure out how to find an apartment and all those things. And I did. But it was not easy. But I did. I was able to find an apartment. I was able to handle the logistics. I had relatives in Beijing as well uh, because, you know, I'm married to a Taiwanese, originally Taiwanese national, who's now, my wife is an American citizen now. But um, at that point in time, she had a sister whose husband was working for IBM in Beijing. So it was, um, it was good to have relatives there already in Beijing. So I was on the ground running. I had a, I had a mission this second trip into China, 
And the mission was to bring mobile payments, which nobody had ever heard of, mobile payments. Right now you're laughing. It's like so ubiquitous in China. I brought the technology to China. I was the first one to do that, to scale mobile payments in the Chinese world. And I know that sounds like an ego trip, but it's not. Because before this barcode and browser on an Alipay or WeChat Pay wallet, there was near contactless, near field communications, mobile payment. And that was the technology that scaled in the very, very beginning in China. And I helped to scale that with Jamalto. Later on, I was involved in the security of the credentials for these smart mobile payment smartphones. You know, me personally, and probably the whole team of Flexpad would agree with you that this term actually is a good term to use. I think it is. In terms of speaking about people like us who live in China. It's, it's important because it takes the concept of, originally it called third country national. Well, that's derogatory, number one. It's also, it leverages you and you don't want to be leveraged. When you use the term flexpat, it doesn't talk about ethnicity or nationality. So it's a good term to use. Absolutely. You are a global business development manager. Can you speak more about international business of Chinese companies in general, in mobile and blockchain? And yes. are there good job opportunities for foreigners right now? Yes. So I've actually lived and worked on three continents. I also spent some time when I worked in Taiwan in Holland. I, I spent a year living in Holland when I was still living in Taiwan, if you can figure that out. And I have been a global technology executive and I have, and I'm encouraged to see so many young non-Chinese executives recognizing the importance of learning Mandarin, speaking Mandarin and uh, embarking on a China career. But I, I want to caution all of you because I've been doing it more than three decades. You cannot disassociate yourself with your home country. Lots of expats think that well, I'm going to retire in China. You will not retire in China. Okay, get that out of your mind. And I believe the way that I did it is the most logical approach, which is first you build your career in, the, in some part of the Chinese world. Then you go back and you take all those skills that you had and you prove you can do the same thing back in the West, which is what I did. And then when you go back a second time, you have more leverage and ability to negotiate what you want, which is what I was able to do the second time. So if you just go into China and spend your entire career in China, I don't think you're going to become a, a, more, bro a, a more broadened person. It was because I went back to, uh, I went to, the, back to the United States in 1992 uh, uh, and then Self as a mobile device specialist in 93. That was all in the United States. House, car, I have a complete lifestyle back here. And I also have a lifestyle in the Chinese world. When you spend too much time in China, you disassociate yourself with your home country. And when you come back, you have cultural issues. You have uh, social and cultural issues because you get accumulated and accustomed to the local Chinese way of doing things. That does not work in the West. So I caution people from trying to do that. I think I've had a, a very fortunate situation to be jump shooting the West and the East, the Pacific Rim, which is how the reason I started my whole career is the term Pacific century. But I think it's important to be able to jump shoot back and forth if you're going to sustain this career that I, as long as I've sustained it, which is very, very important. So I think that if you're going to go to China these days, you need to leverage things that you have in order to inc increase your salary potential. 
number one, you should be able to speak some Mandarin in, in universities in your countries. I didn't have that option. There were very few universities in 1980 when I started to learn Mandarin. And then when I graduated well, with a scholarship to go study Mandarin in Taipei, Taiwan, there were very few Western universities with Chinese programs. Now, every, almost every college in the world has a decent Chinese program that you can learn. And then summertime, you can go and spend a few months learning Mandarin during, you know, if you're still a student. So the, the, the opportunity to build a China career and to actually increase your salary potential before you go into the country is much better now because you can leverage the Mandarin skills, the work experience. I, have I answered that question? I think you did. Yes. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> you are located in the United States right now. Uh, in Seattle and, area, yes. And you still manage to work uh, with China. What challenges do you face at this point? And another question, do you think it's possible to work for a Chinese company remotely? There are, all, there are tremendous challenges from the United Sta States working in the Chinese world. In fact, it was an incredible challenge for me. In fact, uh, if I didn't reinvent myself, I probably wouldn't, wouldn't be working uh, the China market because there would be a point in time when the, when the industry or the things change and you're, you're left, someone has moved your cheese. If you've ever heard the term, somebody moved my cheese, remember that? So um, how I did it was this particular time I was working for a small startup with cool technology, but they, they lost financing. Fortunately, my partner in China that I had made a partner pitching my technology who was also uh, an ex-Jamalto colleague of mine, invited me to have a, a, you know, a cup of coffee during the CES show in January of this year. And uh, I told him, my company's running out of funds and um, yeah, I'm going to have to jump, jump to another company sooner or later and I, I want to be involved in China. And he said, well, I, I'd love to bring you on board to help me with what I'm doing because I'm trying to go global. Um, and so I really anticipated this particular time that I'd be in Beijing by February. But things, of course, obviously didn't work out because of COVID-19. But I will be in Beijing. I'm sorry, in, in Shanghai, not Beijing. I will be in Shanghai. And I, I will be in Shanghai probably next year. Um, it doesn't make sense to go to China now. The, you have to cons be concerned with taxes. And um, it's better to go in, during a new year when, you, when you're, you have to pay taxes and things like that. It's better to start out in the new year taxes can be a real pain in, pain in the neck, really. So, so first of all, I was very, very fortunate. This uh, third time, this will be my third FlexPat gig. This is my third FlexPat gig. And, and I think I, can, I consider myself incredibly fortunate to be able to get this gig because, first of all, I'm learning cutting-edge new technology. But I know the CEO. We're ex-colleagues in Jamalto. And that's why he's been patient, allowing me to work remote due to COVID-19 because he knows that eventually I will be in China. So there's, there's, there's this trust. And trust is so very, very, very critical because I think lots of foreigners who go to China and just try to find a job in a Chinese company, there's very, very little trust. And that trust needs to be built up. And sometimes that trust never gets built up, just to be honest. Sometimes you can be exploited working in the Chinese world in Chinese companies. So you need to avoid that exploitation. Now, the great thing is, is that China has... Um, you have to have a contract to work in China. I had a contract when I worked in China. I did not have a contract when I worked in Taiwan. Such things didn't exist. But in China, you have to have a contract, which is a good thing. It's a very good thing. But I still think you can get exploited. And I think you need to be very careful with the companies that you join in China. So therefore, um, it's important that you join a company 
with a technology that's growing. And in this case, um, the wireless industry is generally very, very successful. I'm in the combination of the internet of things and the blockchain technologies. China leads in both of those technologies. They literally lead the world in both of those technologies. So, the, so you can jump into those technologies if you have a technical background. So I do believe it's possible to work for a Chinese company remotely when there's trust. I believe that trust can be gained now, but only, only if that company is going global because then there's no need for your employment if the company doesn't need you to do things in another, in a foreign country. So if you don't speak Mandarin, they still need you, but they need you in your country to help them sell their technology. If you do, if you do speak Mandarin and you're back here, there's no value in, in employing you back here if the market and the things you're supposed to be engaged in are back there. It simply doesn't make sense. You better be in the same time zone, and that's why you need to be back there. Fortunately, with my, with my particular job, I had the trust from the CEO in the beginning. That's why he hired me, number one. Number two, he's going global. Number three, my job is global. So that means I actually have been told every country I can sell and pitch to every country um, in the world, but there's no need to pitch, to pitch to China because we've accomplished our mission inside China. So therefore, my goal is global for the rest. Now, as I say, I, I volunteer my time to talk to any Western national. And I have hundreds of people have asked me my opinion about how you build this kind of career, how to build a biz tech career in the Chinese world, a mobile biz tech career. I have videos on that that I gave. I always answer people's questions. People can call me and people do call me. I, I, I'm, I'm very transparent. I, I simply tell the truth and I tell, and I usually tell people upfront, there are, there are opportunities. And when the Chinese companies are going global, you have an opportunity to work for them, uh, but you still need to build the trust. I think it's very, very difficult to gain trust um, when it, you're so far away from them and they've never seen you or heard of you. They don't know your character. My situation was very, very different. Uh, my CEO and I worked together. We were friends and I, he was my partner in my previous job. Let's talk about recruiting in your company. Do you participate in the recruiting process? Do you hire foreigners? And what are the best ways to apply for jobs at your company? Yeah, we have a 30 plus uh, people. I'm the only foreigner that they've uh, hired. They want you to be in the smart card industry. Unfortunately, there is no foreigner. There has only been one other foreigner in the Chinese smart card industry in the past decade. And he's French and he went back. They, they don't have need for foreign nationals at this point in time because they're going global. However, I believe the company does have hiring needs for engine, local engineering people, uh, the company we are growing. Um, but the need for foreign nationals is limited to me uh, because my job is global. And another reason why I'm not in China now is they can't leave China. They, they have a tough time leaving China, but I can go I can leave and go most countries in the world right now. So they would prefer me to be here for a little bit longer um, because of this problem of when they leave, the, they can't get back in. Fortunately, I can, I need to be quarantined, but they have a real tough time getting back in as Chinese nationals back into their own country. For me, uh, there's no problem. But the mobile industry in China is open. For example, companies like Huawei, Xiaomi, Vivo, Oppo. I know these companies hire foreign nationals because I, no foreign nationals in some form or fashion in a management role 
inside China, communicating with foreign markets, but also some local markets too. My job in China was pitching to the local Chinese world because that's where it needed to be pitched. But nowadays, China is leading in mobile technologies, the internet of things, and the blockchain. So if you want to learn those technologies, leverage your Mandarin and tell them that you know, you'll be flexible so you can't make too many amenity demands. But I believe that there are employment opportunities in these types of companies if you're local, if you speak the language, and you add some additional value, which is to bring in foreign clientele uh, living in, let's say, Shanghai or Beijing or Shenzhen. But you have to have some interface with the West in order to have value these days. There has to be an interface with the West. Uh, that's where your value is to a Chinese company. Because unfortunately, Chinese companies, as a general rule, aren't multi multicultural. <laughs> as a general rule, they are not multicultural. Um, so therefore, there needs to be a real valid reason to bring on a foreign national in a Chinese company, but it, it does happen. The, the bigger, the better. That's what I think. Given your unique experience, do you think we can have a bonus for our listeners today? For example, a business or employment consultation from you? Absolutely. Uh, getting back to a French term, quid pro quo. There is no quid pro quo. I build friendships. I don't build business. I build friendships before I build business contacts. This is very important in the Chinese world. <clears throat> When you're dealing with the Chinese people, It can't just be all business because if they don't like you when they first meet you, they're not going to do business with you. It's very common sense. So therefore, uh, people are w very welcome to call me and chat with me about anything that I might be able to help them with, how to create their brand, my th three plus decades of experience in the Chinese world. I'm very open to anybody who wants to call me or chat with me and talk with me. And I'm always trying to help because I believe that FlexPat will become a norm when we can get Western, other Western people recognizing that people want to build this kind of career. We can build this when you get Western people around the world recognizing that there is such a thing as a flex pad. And uh, in, in the Chinese world, it's very, very important. Thank you very much. This will bring tremendous value to our listeners. And thank you. For I hope our so. Podcast. I hope so. Thank you very much. Goodbye. And Zaijian. Thank you. Zaijian. Thank you for listening to the China Flexpad podcast. Visit our website for more exclusive insights at chinaflexpad.com. Bye-bye and 再见!